You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. Welcome. Happy Easter. I uh, hope you're having a great morning or afternoon or whatever time you're watching this. It's uh, awesome that you can connect with us this way on this. What is a holy day? A holy season as we explored on Friday week and uh, we reflected on letting go of some things, giving some things to Jesus as he did work on the cross, but he's doing work today as well. And this morning we look at the resurrection, <laughs> the hope that we hang everything on if we're a Christian. And um, look, I picked this up from the, uh, the pet store the other day. It's a hamster wheel. And I don't, I don't, I don't know about you, but I've been um, kind of reflecting on the last couple of years and life and more and more feels like one of these. Do you agree? The health concerns, the political drama, the news cycle, being born to work, school, work, live, die, this kind of hamster wheel of life. I know I'm not alone. I can see this on our social medias. I can see when talking to people, they feel like they're just Groundhog Day, spinning this, trapped in this hamster wheel. And you know, one of the wisest men that ever lived kind of saw life like this. He says in Ecclesiastes 1.9, this is Solomon. He says, what has been is what will be. And what has been done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun pessimistic way to see life but a way that kind of feels like lately we're just stuck spinning around and around nothing new under the sun he says I really like what Erwin McManus said to this he's a largely followed pastor in America and at a conference in 2010 he said something a little controversial or a lot controversial he said Solomon's wrong <laughs> of course people gave him feedback because it sounded like he was saying the Bible's wrong which he wasn't. He was saying he thinks Solomon was wrong. Calling a man who wrote a fair bit of the Old Testament, who's claimed to be one of the wisest men who's ever lived wrong, is a risky move. And I'm not concentrating on too much of that at the moment, but it's an interesting thought. As I reflect on Solomon's reflection of the world observed, a world where we seemingly live again to work, work to live and then die. A world that even, sort of the new age philosophy around karma, which we don't subscribe to, but talks around this never-ending cycle. Nothing new. Nothing of meaning. A world where we can feel stuck in the things that we gave up to God on Good Friday. Addictions, vices, substance abuse, ambition, comparison, past hurt. We can get stuck. History tells us that Solomon had a lot of wives, a lot of money, a lot of gold, a lot of power. And even he at the end of it said it's meaningless. You can see this truth kind of observed when we look at our human history thus far, looking at the rock stars or the, the rich that have taken their own life. Dark, I know, but points to this idea. Maybe there is nothing new. Well, until something happened, I think this was the case. But then something shifted. Then this happened. Let's read in Luke 24. 
But on the first day of the week, at the early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Oh, that's different. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed, I bet they were, about this. <laughs> Behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he has risen. Remember, he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to the rest of them. Now it was Mary and Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves and he went home marvelling at what had just happened. The tomb was empty. The tomb was empty. That's new. That's new. Jesus was victorious. Jesus had risen. In this moment, Jesus had confirmed that he did in fact have the power he was saying. This changed it all. This meant he wasn't just some clever, smart magician dude <laughs> who had a heap of extra loaves and fish stuffed somewhere. This means what he claimed, which was forgive sins and he was God, means it was all true. He could back up what he had claimed, what he had said. He can actually reconcile us back to the Father and defeat death. This slavery cycle, this endless loop of brokenness, this I'm sorry and then sin again and I'm sorry and sin again has an exit point now. Sure, God moved before. God had done miracles. The Bible tells us his library of books is full of that. In Isaiah 43, 19, it says, see, I'm doing a new thing. God was always doing something, but he had never done this. No one saw this coming. I could imagine if this is how it works, Solomon looking down from heaven going, okay, all right, that's new. <laughs> I laugh at the picture of the disciples inspecting the tomb. Wow, we didn't see that coming. I didn't think that was possible. Even his own mother, some of the women coming there to dress him for burial, already in a mindset that he was dead and gone forever, thinking, wow, he was a pretty good kid. But I didn't expect that. Or Peter, upon hearing the gospel presented, the good news presented from these women, not believing them, making the mistake that I think thousands of men have made, not hearing their conviction and their testimony and believing them or hearing them, needed to see it for himself because this is new news. This is something new. Thomas, later on, so shocked that he's like, I don't believe it until I see the holes in his hands, and of course he did. That's new. And for those of you that have been dragged along to church this morning, you've been sent this link and here you are watching me, <laughs> and maybe you can't get your head around the resurrection. I can't answer all your questions right now, but what I can say, I want to invite you into the conversation, into the investigation, 
there is a ridiculous amount of historical information. There is eyewitness reports and 2,000 years of people's lives changing from this event that point to this event being crazy and, yes, hard to believe because it is so new, but overwhelmingly legit. Don't take my word for it. Here's the challenge. Don't write it off. Investigate it. Because it's either useless information or it's either a nothing event or it's everything because it is so new, because it is so outside the cycle of life. He rose from the dead. Come contact me on the channel. Come have, I love this conversation. But let's keep moving. What does this newness, what does the empty tomb mean to us today? Well, three encouragements this Easter Sunday. Number one, God wants to do something new in the world. Let me say that again. What does this newness mean for us today? Well, number one, God wants to do something new in the world. <laughs> Tell me if you've heard this before. A new normal, lockdown, the Great Reset, poor leadership. New leaders, ending democracy, systematic racism, systematic oppression, and defund the authority. Buzzwords and phrases for the last few years. From a world that is crying out for a better system. A world that is crying out to break the system. To break the hamster wheel of selfishness, of destruction, of greed, of empire, of abuse. Here's where they get it wrong, though. Instead of admitting that it's the wrong direction, they double down, continuing to make their own kingdom, their own policy around their proposed sin, a religious culture for the secular, I've called it, they're doing nothing new with this information. They don't like this. They admit it doesn't work. So they go back and do what Adam did. <laughs> they create their own kingdom, their own system, take it into their own hands. What the Israelites did right through the Bible. What the Pharisees did. And what I believe the church has done. The global church has certainly stepped over the line and tried, tried, at times in history tried to try, create their own kingdom. Tried to create empire. Tried to take the power. So much hurt, so much discrediting from what Christians have done, trying to take it in their own hands, trying to make their own kingdom. And now the secular world is having a crack at it too. Political correctness, cancel culture, banding words, banding thoughts. The world's priest, the world's new religion has rules and rituals that make you abide or you'll pay to their system. It's the same old hamster wheel and like every religious system this is why i'm not that worried it'll just like every religious season season i mean every religious system that's ever been it's meaningless and just like rome's empire it will fall in fact may already be falling but here's the thing Here's what the empty tomb means. It means God can do something new in this season. You know what? God has experience birthing something new amongst an empire in seemingly the darkest of times. It's a 
same old story. This is nothing that God can't overcome. He will bring his kingdom. I should say it's the same new story. <laughs> this is nothing God can overcome. He will bring his kingdom. He can bring redemption, restoration, revival. This is what the empty tomb shows us. That God can do something new. How does he plan to do that in the world? Well, it starts with his plan, his invention, the church. Hebrews 13, 20 says, Now may the God of peace who brought through the blood of the eternal covenant, brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Today, number two encouragement. Today is a fresh reminder that God can do something new with us. The collective. When we're in his will, when we're in line with him, he can do something. In fact, this is his invention. Church. The collective. For my church... For Burley, it's been 43 years it's been going. And from my research, because I'm fairly new there in the spectrum of 43 years, it's had some amazing times, it's had some good times, it's had some hard times. And uh, our church particularly, if you're from Burley, you'll know some of our founding members, some of our people that have served for so long have passed over the last few years. And it can be hard and you can have a, a feel or a thinking for a church that maybe it's winding up. As those in the community that were there at the beginning when the fire was lit, <laughs> when the passion, when the mission are retiring, you can start to get in the mindset that the church is retiring too. I don't believe that though. I'm not seeing that in my local community. People will run their race and they'll do it well and they'll come back as faithful servants. But what God is going on and what God is doing, what he's planned for his family. God has a plan for the family that I lead, the community that I'm a part of. God, if he wants, can bring revival out of my humble little church. He can bring out of revival out of your church if you're from another church. God can change from my church at Burley in the southern Gold Coast or wherever you are. He can bring something new. That's what he's in the business of doing. Now, I'm not talking about revival in the sense of uh, kind of how someone spoke about, like it's a, it's a formula. Someone comes in, we get a big speaker in and, I don't know, everyone raises their hand. And... No, 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 I'm talking about revival in us. The newness of Christ moving as God had intended in his community, into the wider community. You're not just telling people about Jesus, but showing them about Jesus. As Jesus said, love your neighbor. That's how you do it. Burley, we have uh, food help, we have an op shop, we have these great ways of doing this, showing the world something new, bringing newness into people's lives, bringing hope to children through um, teaching children. We, we try to do it, Burley, and, and so they can bring hope and newness in their communities, in schools and groups. And for all of us, we, my prayer is that we're doing something new in our networks and neighbourhoods. Do you believe this? Do you believe that you can do something new through Jesus? That his ministry is about bringing something new? You can bring something new to your work meetings. You can bring something new to your school. You can bring something new to where you do lunch. You can bring something new to where you reside, where your residency is. You can raise some old things from the dead. 
You can give life to dry bones. Old ways, broken systems, selfish empires can be revived. That is what Jesus is in the business of doing, says the empty tomb. I love the picture right at the end of this 40-day sort of Jesus resurrected season. He's appearing to hundreds of witnesses. And right at the end, with a crowd, he ascends. And then typical human beings, the messengers have to go, hey guys, he's gone now. Stop looking at the sky. Maybe he will be back, but maybe go do what he just asked you to do. What a truth for communities, for faith communities, for churches. Stop staring at the sky. He's coming back. Amen. Pray we, we believe that. And we've got his spirit here with us now. Maybe we've got to spend less time in the box looking up, singing some songs. They're great, but maybe less of that and more of doing what he's doing. He's risen, bringing that newness, bringing that message and making disciples. So where does that type of revival start? And this is my third encouragement because that type of revival that changes the world, that type of newness in the community starts with us. Starts with you. Number three, God can do and wants to do something new in you. What's the narrative? What's the spinny wheel going through your head this Easter? Are you stuck in a Solomon wash cycle of your own doing or maybe just circumstance? On health concerns, endless loops of pain and doctors. Or maybe endless dramas around relationships or lack thereof. Maybe your marriage is stuck and unable to move. Kids are stuck and unable to move. Maybe it's a work situation, maybe it's an addiction that's had, that's had you pegged for years. What narrative, what story are you telling? Is it one where you're going to oil up the dead body? Is it one where you're looking for the dead? The same, the familiar, the rat race? Is it an anxiety-ridden, endless loop story of death and possible constant fear of things like COVID and health? What's the record playing? What's the repeat button doing in your life? Like a massive stone that takes a couple of men to roll out of the way or more at the entrance of the tomb. What needs to be rolled away today to realize the tomb is empty this is a new day this is a new chance do you realize in the gospel of john the the resurrection was the eighth miracle recorded by john jesus did more than that but john was preaching he was saying seven miracles eighth was the resurrection and as we've been learning if you've been following our leviticus series eighth day means a fresh start it's a callback to the creation story new creation it's a new week. Forget the other seven. It's time to start a new day, a new week. The resurrection, John, preach it, <laughs> is newness. It's a new day. What needs to shift today for you to start this new day? What needs to move out of the way or risk living a meaningless, same old existence? What needs to move to live in God's newness. What's the decision here that we need to make? Let me give you one final story as we finish up. 
I want to tell you about two people that were in this. In the Easter story. What about Judas? Judas was in a cycle we can assume about greed. Makes a couple of comments in the gospel around the way Jesus seems to be generous and free with money. He was stuck in some cycles and so he ends up selling Jesus out. As he sees Jesus get taken away, he realises the cycle he's been trapped in. But he doesn't believe. Oh, actually he does. He even repents in a sense. And let me explain what I mean by that. He repents when he tries to take the money back. Realises, what have I done? But you know, Judas doesn't believe anything new can happen. Jesus doesn't believe in the grace of God. Doesn't believe that something different might happen in a couple of days. He's telling the same old story. Death, destruction. Death, destruction. So he takes his own life. And what he sees is the only way out of this guilt, this brokenness, this wheel. And then there's Peter. Peter is a loose unit. Constantly saying the wrong thing. Constantly speaking out of turn. One of Jesus' closest, I guess, the inner circle a little bit. <laughs> if there was such a thing. But when Jesus gets taken, guess what he does? <laughs> oh man, he just won't be quiet. He denies it. In the face of death. In the face of destruction, he goes, I don't know him. I never knew him. I don't know him. And three times he says he denies Jesus. Giving in to destruction, giving in to that belief that nothing new can come out of this. But you know what? He holds on. He holds on to some of the things that Jesus has been telling him. He leans into Jesus. Yes, he repents. Yes, he deeply regrets it. But when the ladies come back and say the tomb is empty, he runs, he needs to check it out for himself. He's there. He turns up. He leans in. And you know, on the beach, there's this beautiful moment over a barbecue. Jesus talks to Peter. And to mirror the three questions, he asks him three times, basically, if he loves him. Peter responds, I do, of course. I do, of course. And I do, of course. And responding to not just loving him, but leaning in. Going to feed the sheep, Jesus says. Moving, activating it, stepping in to the newness. One gets to live and establishes. Don't get me wrong, it's not, I'm not selling some shiny, comfortable life here. That's what this sells. I'm telling you about an eternal life. I'm telling you about a life of meaning, a life of bringing restoration, redemption, and revival. And Peter does that. Peter steps off the wheel and does something new in Jesus. Well, Judas follows the old. What's your choice today, this Easter Sunday? The tomb's empty. There's no doubt in my mind the tomb is empty. There's no doubt in my mind that the resurrected Jesus' his spirit is working today, right now. 
Are you going to double down and just see what else other kingdom people can make up and do and politicize and try to find and figure it out in man's wisdom and just end up back where you started or worse? Or are you going to find the king, pursue the king of that kingdom and lean in, investigate? Start inviting him at the beginning of your day to bring newness to that day. Who cares if you've done 52 weeks? Ask him to do something new in you. Ask him to do something new in your life. To bring revival in you. And do you know what happens? You ask him to bring revival in your Monday morning, he's going to bring revival in you. You ask him to do something new in your marriage and with your kids, he's going to do something new with your marriage and kids. It'll take a while. We can't forget the Friday. We can't forget the sacrifice and there's movement, there's living sacrifice, there's work with him. He'll do the hard work and he'll birth something new. And do you know what happened? Your community, your faith community, your collective, whatever that looks like, he's going to do something new with them. And then honestly, through that revival, that's where it starts in, in a person, in a community. He's going to do something new in the world. He has done and will continue to do something new in the world. Just step into the newness with him this morning. Happy Easter. Let's celebrate the newness we have in life. The King is alive and we can follow Him. Let me pray and I just hope today is just a good day. A great day with family and friends or whoever else you're able to connect with. Pray as a celebration. Because none of this, none of the breaking of the wheel is our work. It's not hard work for us. We just step into it. So let's enjoy it. Let's rest up today and enjoy and get ready to ask God tomorrow to bring something new. Let me pray. Father God, firstly, thank you. Thank you for smashing the hamster wheel. <laughs> thank you for breaking the death cycle. The wages of sin is death, but you came while we we're still sinners and you broke the thing. You gave us a way off, Lord. Father, I pray we pick it up. Pray we don't get into the mindset, Father, where come Monday morning we're ready to just oil up the dead body, ready to have the funeral. Father, we're still alive, we're here, and you want to do something new in us, Lord. Thank you that as it says in 2 Peter that we can divinely participate with you, Lord. So I just pray that we celebrate today all the work you have done and tomorrow we ask for that redemption, that restoration, that revival in our lives tomorrow morning and that we can bring it <laughs> into our communities through you. Father, give us the energy, give us the power Give us the transformation. Give us the spirit. Thank you for Easter. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks heaps for joining us. Um, it's been great to have you over this weekend, connecting this way. And we'll hopefully uh, see you soon in person or online very soon. Thanks.